You are listening to the Whatsoever 168 podcast with Jen Renault. Be nice and pass it along. Let the world hear the song you sing with your smile. Oh, be nice. Welcome be back. Kind. Speaking of nice, I hope you had a fantastically nice and peace-filled Thanksgiving weekend. My family and I had a wonderful time at my dad's making some great memories, and I'm thankful for my family, and I'm also thankful for all my listeners. If you have already subscribed to my podcast, thank you too. I'm grateful for you. If you have not already subscribed to my podcast, Whatsoever 168, please hit that button, hit the like button too, leave a comment, and share these podcasts to help me get the word out about our special guests and the many ways we can be Jesus' hands and feet. And speaking of special people, do I have a special person for you today who has worked for many years in her local prison. She works tirelessly to share God's love with some of our forgotten and sadly unwanted and outcast women. And she does it with joy, love, and a listening ear. Not only does our guest serve in this ministry, but she is also involved in a few other ministries as well. And at 78 and three quarters years young, she is showing no signs of slowing down. A wife, a mother of three feisty and fun cats, and a friend to all, especially the forgotten. I share with you the never quit, Linda Tempest. Alrighty, I'm sitting here overlooking the Indian River Lagoon with my cousin, Amen. Linda Tempest. Amen. And some of you are like, wait a minute, I don't know you have a cousin named Linda. And so Linda, welcome. How are you today? Thanks for <laughs> Thank coming you. on the podcast. Thank you. You're going to tell them why you're my cousin? I figured I would let you tell them why we're right. cousins. The reason we're cousins is when um, I was going to Blessed Sacrament Church and Jen came to do a talk on uh, the retreats at St. Mary's because our church was invited. Well, I wasn't really happy about the situation because I said, why would I want to go to St. Mary's <laughs> to renew that parish, you know? So anyway, here comes Jen to do her little talk after Mass. And lo and behold, she said, Ta- start talking about her grandmother, Willette. I thought she said Grandmother Willette. Willette is my maiden name. So that's why I decided to go to the retreat, and I figured the Lord was calling me. Come to find out her grandmother's name is Rolette. <laughs> right. But she's my cousin. That's right. So we're cousins. So when we see each other, we're like, hey, cuz, how you doing? <laughs> so Linda, thank you for coming out today. You have a beautiful ministry that you're working on, but you have a special ministry that you have been involved with for quite some time. And I thought you would be a perfect person to share about this ministry. So could you share with our listeners today about your whatsoever project? Okay. About 14 or 15 years ago, I, I was invited to a call about doing prison ministry. So I went to it, and I listened, and I said, "Uh uh-uh, that's not for me. Well, I better stop saying that, because every time I say, that's not for me, the Lord says, oh, yes, it is. (laughs) So I realized that I didn't need to be, uh, have any special equipment, that God would equip me with what I needed. And I began 13 years ago uh, doing, working with the Good News Prison Ministry at the Brevard County Jail. Uh, It is a non-denominational, it is a Christian ministry. We do Bible. Mainly we do Bible. And so with this prison ministry that you're doing, I was wondering, is there any special training that you're going to need for this, or that a person who's interested in this ministry will need? Uh, Not really, uh, except what is required by the county. Uh, If you have a heart for women, we only do women and the men do men, but if you have a heart for women who are 
considered outcasts uh, who probably don't think very much of themselves. If you have that, I call it a maternal instinct. And you know what? I really feel like God gave me this ministry because he, I was not blessed with children. Yeah. And I think I've had so many children. They're all girls, but Spiritual nonetheless, children. yes, yes, yes. But you do need to go through the jail itself to get drug tested, fingerprinted, background checked, and get the special training so that they can make sure that you're safe. They want you to make sure you're safe while you're there. Okay. So I came across this little quotation, if you will, by a lady named Miss Weatherly, and this is what she wrote. She said, some people could be given an entire field of roses and only see the thorns in it. Others could be given a single weed and only see the wildflowers in it. Perception is a key component to gratitude, and gratitude is a key component to joy. And you are one of the most joyful people I know, so I can imagine you're bringing your joy to that prison ministry. What personal qualities and traits do you think a person needs to do this ministry? Again, a heart for the downtrodden and and the least among us, and a a true love of Jesus, because if, if you're following Jesus, you're going to do the things he tells us to do. One of them is to take care of the least among us. So that's all we need. I mean, the Holy Spirit takes over. That's all I can say. He takes over a lot. Amen. Yes. Takes over a lot. So we're sitting here overlooking the river, and I'm looking at my St. Maximilian Colby candle that I have lit. Anytime we work on a podcast, I always light that candle because I know that he's the patron saint of new radio announcers, but I also know that he is the patron saint of prisoners. And so with that in mind, and as we're looking at this candle, I was wondering when you go to these prisons, this prison, and you're preparing to enter, and I'm gonna ask you just in a little bit how that looks, but right now, just for you as a person, bringing that gratitude, bringing that joy, but is there also a little routine that you do before you go to kind of prepare your heart and your mind? It changes over the years. Uh, At first I was given a canned prayer that was written out that I would sit in my car and I would read before I went in, a beautiful prayer. I evolved a lot since then. I turned more toward my own prayer because I could see things that I wanted to say. I almost always start with morning mass because I do go to morning mass. And now I really have a special preparation because Father Blake told me that he would let his guardian angel go with me and help me in the jail. So I love it. I love that. You sit in the car and you just kind of have that little prayer, that little time, but you begin with Mass, obviously, the ultimate prayer. Yes, I do. Now that I go in the daytime, I used to go in the evening and I could not do that. But yes, I do now. So now that's how you prepare yourself spiritually to get ready to minister to these uh, women. How do you prepare jail side? So for example, what is a, a typical, I'm going to the jail look like after you exit your car and you walk up? Okay, I do work in the office and, and we really need people to work in the office. We process their requests. They request Bibles and devotionals and we deliver them. It's all done through volunteers. 
So I, I start out by doing that, but I start out really before because I do have to prepare a lesson. And I do try to prepare a thematic lesson because the girls are not there. Some of them are there one week, some of them are three weeks, some of them are three years. So I do want a lesson that's self-contained for that week only. So I usually do a lesson on trust or a lesson on love or a lesson mm. on forgiveness. And uh, being an old teacher, I like to try to involve them. Sometimes I have little plays that they participate in and little skits and things like that. But um, I prepare. I have to prepare. Now, lately, I have found that small Christian community that I attend every week, there's such beautiful, the readings are beautiful and they're so related. So I've been using those lately. And I love that you brought in that you're a teacher because I was going to touch upon that because I know you taught for several years and I know that you're bringing those gifts and talents into the prison ministry as well. Let's look at it from the jail side to give our listeners, if you're listening right now, I think a plane just flew by and you might hear a motorcycle or a boat go by. We're almost outside, but not quite. And just, it's a beautiful day. So just a little back background there for those noises you might be hearing. But let's go back. With your teacher background, you're, you share that you're writing these lesson plans, if you will. But let's educate the listeners who've never been to prison ministry. Do you have to be searched? Do the um, prison guards have to pat you down? How does that look? Okay, part of our, our initial training, and we have to go every year, and they tell us the same thing again, but part of that training is, is telling us what we can bring in, what we're allowed to bring in, what we are not. We cannot bring anything that has staples, hmm. paper clips. They use them to make tattoos on themselves. Uh, we cannot bring pens that retract because they take them apart and take the coils out and then use that for maybe a weapon. Hmm. Now, I have never seen any of these things happen, but we do have to follow the rules. So it... I can give them only single papers, so I can't give them a rosary. Those mm. who are Catholic, I make a rosary on my copy machine, mm. a picture of a rosary, and they can use that, and they're very happy. The Catholics are very happy with that. But as far as going into the jail, the routine is this. You have to go to the, I have to go to the front desk, and I am in their computer, so they issue me a badge. Everywhere I go, I have to have that badge visible. Because every single room I go into, there's a door entering, there's a door exiting. And if you've ever seen jail or prison movies, the doors slam. They oh. do. They make a loud noise so that you know that the door behind you is closed so that you can go into the next door. So when I go into the office, I have to go through one door, down some stairs, and through two more doors, and then I go into the chaplain's office, and I work for a little while. And then after I finish working at one o'clock is when my time is every week. It's not flexible. I proceed to the woman's annex, which is out in the back. And again, every door I go through, they have to check my badge. They can see it on a camera. And they open the door for me, let me in, slams behind me, open the next door, and I walk out. I have to go outside to get to a different building. And then when I get there, again, the same story, open the door, close the door, and it's upstairs where I visit. So I go upstairs, and they're expecting me because they know that that's my day. And I have a list, you know, of, I have a sheet that the girls sign in. And then I go into a room, which is... There's about a hundred girls in bunk beds. 
Uh, that's and there's officers. There's an officer outside and there's an officer inside. And most of the girls are in bed, which is sad because I know they're in bed because probably they're very depressed. They have very little to do. There's one TV that sometimes they turn it on, sometimes they don't. There's a few checker tables and cards. Very, very little for them to do. And there's a lot of bickering, fighting, <laughs> carrying on. But I go into a little room that's separate, and the girls come in there. And then that's where we meet. I close the door. It's fine. I feel very safe. There are windows. I'm there by myself with the girls. I have never, ever been frightened. Never. The girls, uh, the number of girls that I have varies. And, and I have to be aware that, you know, there are circumstances. One time I went, I had just one girl. I was happy to have her. We had the most productive meeting. It was more like a spiritual counseling session because it was one girl. Last week, oh, I had 18 girls wow. and myself. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing session. I do not know where my words, I do know where my words came from. It was the Holy Spirit because I, I was on fire. I was ablaze. I just wanted these girls to know how much God loves them and how much he cares for them and that he doesn't care what they've done. It makes no difference what they have done. He loves them and it's not going to make any difference how good they are. He's not going to love them anymore. He doesn't love me any more than them. I did a lot to convince these girls how much they're loved. Wow. And that's my ultimate goal. In that last answer, and it was profound. In that last answer, you said a lot, a number of times, open door, closed door, open door, closed door. And I couldn't help but think it was a metaphor for their personal predicaments. And it is a predicament. Their, their door really right now is closed. But you're bringing them an open door and an open opportunity. And so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that open opportunity and some of the things that you have experienced being in there with them. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share about those open door, closed door experiences oh, in the prison ministry? Oh, I have ministry? tons. <laughs> I have tons of stories, but... Any in particular? This one in particular, and I'm going to make up a name for her. I'm going to call her Ashley. That's Ashley. a good name. That's okay. a kind of a good name. So I'm in here, and, and this was when I was still going at night. And at night, I would have up to 30 girls. Because at night, they're all awake by then, you know, and they're mm -hmm. up and those go to work, some work, they're back. But anyway, this one girl was, she had a bag of Doritos. This and, is Ashley? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah, she had a bag of Doritos and I thought, gee, you know, gee, I wonder if she should have brought food into the Bible study, you know, but I, you know, I didn't say anything. I just kind of let it go and I, she kept kind of fiddling in that bag and everything. And then after we finished our lesson, and we were kind of milling because we always do a little informal kind of I'll pray individually with them. I, they can share with me their story and their what they want me to know. And so this Ashley, I saw her going around offering and I thought, well, that's nice. She's sharing. <laughs> well, come to find out what Ashley had done was so beautiful. She had written a little scripture verse on these little scraps of paper and little chips <laughs> and she'd put them into this bag and she was offering them to the girls and each one would pick one out and it would be a scripture. Wow, how humbling I can imagine. Here you were yeah. and, and we all do it. We say that we don't, but we do. There's a little bit of judgment there for a moment. Oh, absolutely. And then of course we remind ourselves, well, I'm in here for prison ministry. I probably shouldn't judge. But the reality is, is we all do it. And so, uh, 
you look up, you see this bag of chips, you're like, oh my goodness, good gravy. Right, exactly. And, and I then, was wary of aware that I was judging too. And isn't it funny how God goes, <laughs> oh, I'm sure he was laughing like, oh. I'm sure he laughs at me all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was like, all right, Linda, have I got a little surprise for you. Yes. And this was Ashley who did this. Yes, Ashley. Beautiful. Yes. Now, how did she obtain all those scripture verses? Oh, we do give them Bibles. They can, they can. One of the things I do in the office is they, they have a kiosk that they can go on. It's like a computer screen, and they can go on and into the chaplain's office and request a Bible or a devotional, the Daily Bread, or In Touch, or Word Among Us, even. So they have Bibles. They have Bibles. Another very humbling thing for me is the fact that when I went in there, trust me, I did not know Scripture like a lot of these girls know Scripture. Oh, wow. a, a lot of them are from a Baptist background, which, as most of you know, they depend a lot on Scripture. That's their whole religion is based on Scripture. Solo Scripture. Yep. And so these girls really know their Scripture. And you know what? I've often said, I did not know the Bible. It took a time in jail for me to learn the Bible. And as a teacher, you also know the best way to learn is to teach. Right. So by teaching this, I learned. But these girls, a lot of them know a lot of scripture. Well, you find that the students teach you just as much as the teacher teaches. And I give them a lot of opportunity to do that. Right. I don't lecture. Do you have any special verses that stand out for you for your ministry? No, there is so many, but I, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you. I couldn't even begin to tell you, but you know, I'm getting to be like they are in that I will quote scripture a lot. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you if it's John thirteen three or what it is, but I know the I know the phrases, you know, and there's so many of those little key phrases that we carry with us in our hearts and and a lot of these girls do. A lot of these girls carry little scripture phrases from the Bible that they carry in their hearts. And you never know how far that's going to carry them. Right. Get them through their their time in in prison. Let's add to that. You talked about how you went into this ministry not really being well-versed with the scripture. And now you're slowly able to quote scripture. How were you formed or how do you believe that you were formed to do this ministry? I don't have any idea how I was formed to do this ministry, but I was a cradle Catholic, and I did grow up in a home that had a Bible, but no one ever opened it. And the reason we really didn't open it, I think we believe that we should have one, but the reason we didn't, it was not encouraged at mm-hmm. that time. It said you would, the priest would explain it in the Mass. And of course, every single Sunday, we do have Scripture. And I did learn a lot from that, but... I've really, really been, I think a lot of times I started reading my scripture more when I started at St. Mary's in the Christ Renews His Parish retreats, because we did emphasize scripture a lot, and when our formation of our teams, we uh, studied scripture, talked about scripture. So I guess maybe that might have had a part of my formation, but I had already started into the prison ministry before that, so right. I just stepped into it on faith. And also your teaching background, I can imagine. Yes, well, I felt comfortable teaching. I do not feel uncomfortable teaching, so that helped. Gotcha. I want to touch on something that you said that I should have touched on a few minutes ago. You said that you feel safe. Oh, yes. Why is that? You're smiling. She's smiling right now, guys. (laughs) I am. I'm I'm very happy because I'm telling you, these girls love me. They do, and they, the reason they love me is because they know that I love them. The other reason I feel safe is that 
they don't have to come in. They get no credit of any type for being there. They don't get points. They don't get time off for good behavior. They, they choose to come there and, and God has sent them there. So I feel safe because, because of that. And I also feel safe because I think this prison up there, this jail, is very, very secure. You know, I think it's really okay. very secure. Only one time in the 13 years that I've been here did I see a big fight. And I was absolutely amazed because at that time I was I was working with the chaplain, Nancy, who was my dear friend. She is a actually an Episcopal deacon. And she and I were doing Bible study together for a while. And she and I were both in there. And Nancy is this beautiful woman who's adopted 13 children. She's awesome. Oh, my goodness. She's awesome. And she is about six feet three, I think. And, you know, number one. So a little one. bit taller than Jen. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you, you feel safe when you're with Nancy, too. But she happened to be there with me. We were working together that night. And out in the main room, we could see a big scuffle and all the girls started gathering around. So our girls that were with us, and we probably had about 25, 6 that night, it was at night, they all started to get up and rush the door. And Nancy said, sit down. And she has a very deep, powerful voice. And so they all immediately went right down and sat down. And she said, no, we're just going to continue on. We won't worry about what's going on out there. You can't help any, so just sit down. So we continued our lesson. But I was aware of what was going on out there. It was um, two girls having a cat fight. And you know how girls <laughs> oh, fight. Oh, oh. Yeah. I mean, I would have probably liked to have gone out and seen it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you just a side note here. When I taught in the middle school, I taught oh. in the inner city. And I can remember, when. It, and here I am, I'm only four foot eleven and three quarters. My basketball oh, coach in college used to make me say and three quarters. And I'm a peanut. And But the kids knew when they saw Miss R come down, that fight was getting broken up. And so I had no problem breaking up the boys, but I'll tell you what. The girls. When girls are fighting and their hair's flying, fists are flying, and not that the boys weren't, but they were a little more methodical. But I would find myself kind of dancing back and forth, waiting, <laughs> I can buying see my time to jump <laughs> in. You. So I can imagine you with that fight going, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, my I didn't goodness. have to get involved because the correctional officers were right out there and they have a, a pepper spray or something that they sprayed them with. Okay. And they told the other girls to go back and the other girls all went back to their bunks. And then it was not another 10 seconds after that that there were all of a sudden there were like 10 to 15 armed policemen. Mm. I have no idea where they even came from. Wow. But they have it they have it pretty down. I think they have it down quite well there. So I feel safe there. I've always felt safe. So they're adventures, but just none that you necessarily have to get involved with per se, right? Right, exactly. Right. Uh-huh. Well, you hit upon the Chrysler News's parish and how that helped you and that oh, yes. formed you. And I know that that's a little ministry in and of itself. What other ministries are you involved in? Because I know that God, when he puts us in these places, we might not know why we're there. But there's always a purpose behind what's going on, whether we're doing our will or he permits us, whether he permits us to do our will or it's, it's his will. There's always some good that comes out of it. So I know that you were very involved with Christ Jesus Parish. What other ministries? Ministry to the Sick is something I've done all along. And um, right now I was asked to be the coordinator. I didn't really want to be the coordinator, but it's it's kind of a situation like I've done it before at another church. I know how to do it. It's not real hard. Uh, I'll do it, yes. And somebody has to do it. So hmm. that one I'm involved in. Uh, my newest 
I guess we would call it a ministry, is I am attending the Carmelite community because I was told, again, when I was asked, would I like to consider becoming a Carmelite? I thought to myself, now these are women who sit and pray and they're quiet, they don't say anything. And I said, my response was, again, that's not me. Well, I'm chatty. Yes. <laughs> I gotta be quiet. Absolutely. So I said that to that dear person that invited me. Then I went home and I said, all of a sudden, God spoke to me again. He said, I know that's not you, but maybe that's what I want you to be. Wow. Hello. <laughs> so I am approaching my second year in the Carmelite uh, ministry, which is a prayer ministry. I don't have to be quiet all the time, and I don't have to be cloistered. But I do have to spend time in silence. Mm. But I know you're not silent when you lecture as well, which I've seen you lecture oh, I forgot. beautifully yes. at Daily Mass. So we appreciate that. So these different ministries, Ministry to the Sick, where you're not silent. And what a beautiful ministry that is. We had, um, oh, yes. I think, episode two, we had a beautiful um, lady, Alex, come and speak yes. to us about Yes. about that and then your Carmelite community ministry your Christ Renews His Parish ministry your lector which is lecturing is a beautiful ministry as well all these helped to form you with this prison ministry and so with the prison ministry now and and how you've been involved with it for quite some time and I know you've been involved with it but I, I can imagine that you have goals right and so I know that you've been involved with it for a while but I can imagine that you have maybe some goals that are kind of short term and then maybe long term where you see what will happen with this ministry. So can you speak to those two goals, please? All right, my, I guess my short-term goal is getting there because I can promise you, come Thursday or Friday, Satan's gonna start working on me. He mm. always does. I either don't feel up to snuff or he's told me, oh my, who do you think you are? You don't know your scripture. Who do you think you are doing this? And I, I get those messages, but I also know where they're coming from. Right. So I can usually feel very comfortable saying, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> so that's the Not short today, Satan. Yes. My short-term goal is just to get there, and I've, I've done quite well on that because I, I recognize that when I, if I'm sick, if I'm really sick, I don't go. But that's rare, and I know when the times I feel that I'm not adequate to go, I know where it's coming from. And I say, you know, if there's one person that's going to get one message from me there, I'm going. So as far as a long-term goal, honey, I am 78 and a quarter. You know how the little kids say I'm five and a half? No, I'm 79 and a quarter. Excuse me. I'm 79 and a quarter. So I just want to do this as long as the Lord gives me the strength and the health to do it. So that's my long-term goal. Listen, 79 and a quarter, this woman's still playing pickleball. So, Sometimes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty impressive there, Linda. I love it. Well, it's from, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me. It's a gift. Right. Well, you have many gifts. Thanks and speaking of gifts, how funny that you just transitioned us right there. What gifts and talents or maybe some skills do you think that a person would need to do this ministry? And I say that because of this. When St. Paul was writing, he was writing from prison, right? Most of the time. Most Right. Yes. And so most of the time... Yes, there was some cautionary, but a lot of it was hope. And I come back to St. Paul a lot, especially after that beautiful movie. Did you see that movie? Yes. St. Paul the Apostle. That was a fantastic movie. I met a guy who was instrumental in, in bringing that movie to us, and I got to learn a lot of the backstory mm. about it. So anytime we have a reading from the letter of St. Paul, I'm always you know, sitting up a little straighter. Not that I should always be sitting up straight. <laughs> but he always, for the most part, offers this hope, right? So what gifts or talents or skills 
would a person need for this ministry along with offering that hope? Okay, I think the very, very most important skill that you need is being able to listen Mm. because not only do they occasionally like to just sit and tell me a lot of time, not occasionally, every week. Afterward, I offer a time that they can pray with me silently, and, and they, they like to tell me their story. You know, they like to explain why they've done what they've done. and So you have to listen. You really have to listen. And I think you also have to have a maternal heart for these girls because you have to love them. They're outcasts. You know, they're considered outcasts. They've, a lot of them have some really serious offenses. You have to look at them like Jesus would and not judge them by the, either their appearances, which in many cases they're without teeth because of their addictions and their lack of care of themselves. They're, uh, some of them are kind of crude. Sometimes they'll say the wrong word and then apologize, and I'll have to say, well, I've heard that word before, you know. <laughs> but um, you have to have a heart for that, and, and you have to be able to listen. That's, that's the main thing. As far as the teaching part, I think the Holy Spirit provides that, and if you're lucky enough, like I am, to have Father Blake's guardian angel go with you, you are really got it made. Yeah. You know, St. Teresa of Calcutta once said, being unloved, being unwanted, being forgotten— that is a greater poverty than having no food. I'm paraphrasing. And I think about what you just said about these people. They're on the fringe. They're the outcasts, as you said. And they're probably not heard. And we all just want to be heard. So what a wonderful gift that I know that you bring. And I know that your Carmelite community ministry is helping you to develop even further as that listening skill. And really, it's a gift. Like you said, it's a beautiful gift, and we know where that gift comes from. Yes. Oh, yes, (laughs) I do. So you're pouring into these young ladies, and you've been doing this for quite some time. But when you pour, at some point you have to fill. And so how are you being fed so that you can do this ministry? And I say this because of this. I remember when I was teaching, I lived a little bit away. So it's nice at the end of the day, I was that teacher that I would reflect on every single kid Did I get to this kid enough? Oh, I didn't get to this kid. Tomorrow I'll get to this kid. All right, this kid got a lot of my time. He doesn't get as much tomorrow. And and not that I didn't love the kid, but I just kind of would go kid by kid. And then I'd learn their stories, right, from listening. And some of these kids came with a lot of baggage and a lot of, you know, heartache and heartbreak. So on that drive home, that was my opportunity to kind of, and no offense, but detox. I needed to kind of think that through, get that out of my system so that I could go home and be fully present at home. And so I know that that teaching, just teaching in and of itself can be emotionally taxing. But now you're adding the layer of this prison ministry. So along with teaching, and it's really not about teaching, it's about loving and listening, like you said. How are you being fed so that you can go in there and listen and love the way that you do? I don't have to go anywhere to get that because I get it right there. The girls, I learn so much from them. I learn a lot. I I just can't even begin to tell you, and I let them know this. I have learned from you today. You have taught me something important, and I share that with them when they do. It makes them feel good, but it also is the truth. I'm not just flattering them. I learn from them. Some of them have... I mean, I don't want them to hate themselves, and we work on that a lot, about forgiving themselves, but I also love that some of them are so humble, and they are so appreciative of being in jail, 
because they realize that it's, it's like a second chance, mm-hmm. that God is, is giving them another chance to start over, and He does that every day. But I, I never get to the point where I need to detox or so forth or, or to, to unstress because I leave there very, very filled. Just being there does it. So I guess I'm being selfish. Go in there. It uplifts me. Okay, I also, I go to morning mass, of course. That's very important. I go to church retreats, church activities that are offered. I pray a lot. I read scripture a lot. Your house has a lot of scripture all over it. Yes, I I love scripture. I put it on my walls. Yes. She turned to scripture a lot and just what the church is offering right now. Yes. uh, Right now at Council of Catholic Women, we are doing a, uh, we're going to consecrate ourselves to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of our Mother Mary. And I've really uh, enjoyed that. For some reason in my life, I've never done that, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know why, because my mother was extremely devoted to our Blessed Mother. But that's what I'm working on right now, because I want to love her as much as Jesus loved her. Mm. You know, we just had, uh, she'll be, by the time this is up, this podcast is uploaded, we will have had Karen, your president of CCW, on, and she shared very much about the contra- consecrating yourself to Mary. And so that was really interesting. Let's take this in another direction now. So you, you're doing this prison ministry. You're involved with some other ministries. You're growing in your faith. You're feeding these young women in the prison. But there's another thing that you have done recently that is really spectacular and, and something that I I aspire to do one day, and that's you travel to the Holy Land. Yes, twice in one year. I couldn't believe it. But it's it's thank I'm thankful to my dear husband Larry because he, Shout out to you, Larry. We he, love you. Yes, because he did not want to go because he, he can't travel that distance. It hurts his back. He says, I mean, to me, you just take a sleeping, go to the doctor, get a sleeping pill, sleep on the plane and get over it. But he he said, no, you go. So I went with Father John Morris and had a wonderful, wonderful trip, very spiritual trip. And then when it was time, all of a sudden, Father Ivan said he was taking a group. And I said, oh, I wish I had waited. Larry said, go ahead. (laughs) I said, okay. So I really, Father Ivan's trip was beyond what I could ever explain as far as the spiritual opportunities. I mean, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. Do you have any special, a special memory you want to share with us? Well, I guess it was being, going to the Sacrament of Reconciliation by the River Jordan. Wow. With Father Ivan. That was Mm. beautiful. Yes. Mm. Now, with the Sacrament of Reconciliation, let's bring this now back around to your prison ministry. Do any of our priests, are they able to get up to the prison to complement what it is that you're doing? Because I know that you said that you, because you cannot bring in rosaries for your, for the ladies, you make a picture of a rosary. And so you said you do have some some Catholic prisoners. Yes, yes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, I don't have as many Catholics. Well, maybe that's a good thing. (laughs) But uh, I don't have that many Catholics. And I find that that the Catholics I have in the most case, they say they're Catholic, but I can tell by the conversation uh, that they're... Uh, really not, or they maybe they went when they were a child and never went back because they'll say things like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm not a Christian, I'm a Catholic," and I think, "What?" <laughs> well, there are, lot, there are a lot of people that say that. I know, but they shouldn't be saying that. We're the very first Christians. Right. So anyway, but but when people say that, or when they when they say something, there's a lot of things they say that that lead me to the fact that they're not. But when there is a Catholic, then I always make it known. Uh, 
that I'm Catholic. I don't I don't deny that. I, I'm proud of that. But I also make it known at the beginning that I'm not there to do a Catholic teaching as such. I said, we have the same Bible. So we do Bible study. And I said, if any of you are interested in the Catholic Church or have any questions afterward, feel free. Mm-hmm. Just stay and I'll talk to you. But I said, I'm not here to convert you to Catholicism. I said, I love my faith. And I, I you know, and if I mention it occasionally, you know, it's because I love it so much. So anyway, the ones that do want to go to confession, all they have to do is to write us on that kiosk on that uh, computer and let us know. And as soon as Chaplain Nancy gets uh, three or four or five that want to go to confession, men and women, she will call a priest. And in many, many cases, it's Father Blake. Mm. He loves going and oh they love him to death, you I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they think he's wonderful. So he he's very busy when he's there. I can imagine. Well, as we begin to wind this down, I was wondering your ministry is fascinating. I can imagine the people who are listening have a lot of questions. I know I do, being a former teacher, I, I do have some students who are in prison. Uh there's one who's been in there for quite some time. I've been writing to this young man for over, well, he's a grown man now for over 25 years. Wow. So I can imagine people have a lot of questions. Maybe some people who are not at our church would like to get involved in this ministry, or maybe they just want to get in touch with you. You're you're a very interesting woman, Linda, and we've known each other for a long time, and, and I'm always learning something from you. So if somebody would like to get in touch with you, how would they do that? I suppose email's probably the best way, and it's, um, my email is L-Y-N-D-A-T-E-M-P-E-S-T, Linda Tempest 5 at gmail.com. That's probably some prison code. <laughs> some prison code. So Linda Tempest 5 at gmail.com. Yes, and the Linda is with a Y or it won't go through. That's right. Get it right, everybody. Yes. And I'd be happy to help you and answer any questions. Uh, there's another thing that we really need desperately up there is we need people to work in the office. So to work in the office, you still have to go through all of the drug testing, background check, everything. And I I can't remember if I had to pay for my fingerprints or not, but they don't accept other fingerprints. You have to do any anything you go to. They won't. They can't accept other fingerprints because they want a current background check, and that's part of it. But you have to go. Still have to go through that same procedure, the safety and everything, which is not that bad to work in the office. But the nice thing about if you work in the office, then you can shadow someone. You have what you need to go in to the jail with another person. And listen and learn and, and see, see. If that, yeah, see if that yeah. ministry is for you. Yes, you can't just go in without being secured and background Trained. checked and everything. You have to, you do have to go through that. But again, if you only want to work in the office, that's a big, that's a huge need. Okay, good to know. So before we wrap this up, I see you have a couple of cats. Are they Catholic too? <laughs> yes, they are Catholic. Are they? Yes, what are they names? <laughs> well, we have Tommy and Twinkie, and they're the twins. Tommy they're, and Twinkie. Yeah, they're the twin boy and girl. And then we got, along the way, we got this third one, uh, a little girl with a bobtail. We named her Bobby McGee. 
<laughs> so Bobby McGee, we felt sorry when we brought her in because we thought, oh my, these two are so bonded. They're going to, you know, they're going to go after her. Well, guess what? Bobby McGee went after them. Oh, she no. is a tough little cookie. She's well, that speaks cookie. to the girls in your prison, yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> she's a little street girl cat herself. Cat fight, cat fight. <laughs> yeah, she's a little girl herself. Well, she wouldn't play with them, so she, she, they'd try to play with her and she'd scratch them. So what happens? You know, I guess there's a lot to be learned from that. If someone tried to play with you and you scratch them, they're not going to come back and play with you anymore. Yeah. So your home is a little bit like a prison ministry as well with these cats, huh? Yes, it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. So while we wrap this up, I challenged you to challenge our listeners. You know, we have the whatsoever 168 podcast is our name. The 168 is for the number of hours in a week. And I was hoping that you could challenge our listeners in the 168 Don't Wait Challenge. Okay, I'm going to give you something that's very, very easy and also very, very difficult. It takes no training. But it takes a discipline. And that discipline is listening, whether it be listening to your own children, your own husband, your parents. Listen. Everyone has something to say. Don't interrupt them with what you think they should do, what you think they should say. Listen. Just listen. That's what Jesus would do. He would listen to people. Well, listening is challenging, but then it's not challenging. That's what you're saying. Well, what I'm saying is that, you know, you don't have to go there and go anywhere to get trained or you don't have to actually do a ministry outside your own family or friends because we're called to listen to everybody, to each other. And you know what? Of course, most important is to listen to God because he speaks to us. He speaks to us mainly, I think, in silence. And if we don't shut up and listen, we're not going to know what he wants us to do. Right. But it's also a reminder that God speaks to us anyway, anywhere. And so, yep, God speaks to us through our spouses, through our parents, through our children, through our neighbors. But God can even speak to us through a prisoner, somebody who is on the fringe. Absolutely. Yes. On the outcast and probably speak to us quite profoundly. So, yeah, that was beautiful. So, guys, your next 168, get out there and listen and be still. So Linda, I cannot thank you enough for your time. I'm thoroughly enjoying this view. It's very, it was a little bit hard to concentrate with this beautiful river view. And I just want to thank you for listening yourself to A, the Holy Spirit. You know, I wasn't trying to recruit you to come to St. Mary's. I was just up there saying, come to our retreat. But when you joined, I was so happy that you did. You bring a beautiful energy. You bring the gifts of gratitude and joy. And something I really love about you is that it doesn't matter what you're given, whether it's it's a rose or it's a weed. You always try to find a way to find the beauty. And that's infectious. I know when people are around you, they're always smiling. And there goes Linda with her phone. Okay, so that was the phone. So Linda, thank you very much for bringing that beautiful way to look at the world where if you're given a rose, you see the rose and not the thorns. If you're given a weed, you see the flowers within the weed. And and when you do that, you share that gratitude and that joy. So thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit. I especially thank you on behalf of the prisoners who don't have a voice right now. I, I know that they're grateful for you and all the ways that you bring joy to them. And I know especially, like you said in your challenge, that they're definitely grateful that you just listen to them. And you honor them as people and love them right where they are. So thank you for being here today, Linda. And I, I just want to say one more thing. I really, I want to, I don't want it to be about me because I don't, I want to be a, I don't want to be a, it's just not about me. It's, th- this is something that the Holy Spirit is doing. And, but I thank you for your kind words. And it's not about us. It's about him. I, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I even had thought about even doing this because of that. 
belief. But, uh, you know, if you want to get other people to do this ministry, you got to tell them about it. So I'm thankful that you came. Thank you. Well, you have a great day. God bless. Bye. Didn't I tell you? So much energy and so much to learn from Linda. Don't forget to reach out to her at lindatempest5 at gmail.com. I know that she would love to hear from you. And as you move through your next 168 hours, remember her 168 Don't Wait Challenge, which was simply, but not so simply, to listen. God is speaking. He is. And he is speaking through a parent, a spouse, a child, a friend, a young person, an old person, and maybe even a prisoner. He speaks to and through us all. So listen. And remember, be nice and make your next 168 hours count for Christ. So be nice.